the Gaming Guru Podcast. He's in the best gaming podcast in the world. Boo baby. gentlemen it is another week and of course another opportunity to talk about gaming here on the gaming guru podcast i'm gareth and as always i'm joined by the lovely tim lester all the way down in cape town how are things going down there sir oh it's going good and yes i am lovely <laughs> yes i'm not going to disagree with you there so um it's been uh, it's a time of the year where i think all the games have kind of been released and now it's it's one of those like and now sell you know, it's uh, it's yeah, Black yeah. Friday coming up. It's um, end of the year, obviously Christmas or holidays for those of you who um, are more um, in it for the, the corporate reasons. Um, then it's obviously just a time off. People supposedly have more money, thirteenth checks uh, and bonuses, uh, uh. and that's. <laughs> I don't know where that rumor comes from. It's just like ah. Oh, save save everything for the end of the year. People have more money. Like how? Like a lot of people who are freelance aren't working because all their clients have closed and suddenly there's like yeah. way more parties to go to so like far less disposable income but it's like no december money money everyone so yeah, yeah 13 um, checks sort of feel like uh I don't, I don't i don't know so i've heard legends i've heard i've, I've only heard <laughs> stories written on tablets <laughs> and know, not on yeah not modern day tablets like <laughs> no <laughs> pre-war era stuff uh yeah, yeah so uh, um, we've got quite a bit of news uh, to go through, so um, I think let's not uh, waste any time. Let's jump straight into it, Tim, with uh, the news. I feel like we need to have a jingle. Da, 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 the news. The news. Okay, so Google Stadia launched last week, um, and you know we had some high hopes for it. We had a chat about it in the past, and uh, so the, the way that the platform's um, uh, sort of business model um, has come about isn't necessarily what we thought that it was going to be. We thought that Google Stadia might look similar to, I don't know, a lot of the other subscription services that we have these days, you know, like um, uh, EA Access, you know, oh, sorry, EA Origins. Is it Origins Access? I don't know, one of the two, whatever. Um, where, you, you know, you pay a subscription and you get access yeah. to these games. And the way that this like, works like is Game like Pass you, on Xbox, where you just like, well, exactly, you pay right? and you can keep yeah. playing games until you stop paying. Exactly, and uh, uh, the same goes for PSN, where you get your you get your free games, and you can play them up until the day that your you know subscription expires. But with Google Stadia, what you're paying for is really the ability to play the games that you have bought through various devices. Yeah. So this only works with a certain amount of games that have been added to the platform. Um, they announced their lineup. Uh, it consists of AC Odyssey, Just Dance 2020, Mortal Kombat 11, RDR 2, Borderlands 3, Farming Simulator 19, Metro Exodus, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, lots of great games there, but you're going to be paying a subscription for the Google Stadia service on top of the price of the original games. I yeah. think only AC Odyssey is complimentary, and I, I think everything else you kind of got to pay for. So, and bit also of a bummer. you're going to have gonna have to buy it on another platform if you own it so if you already have it on like your ps4 that's not gonna you know allow you to play it on google stadia you're still going to have to 
buy it on Stadia as if you were buying it on Steam. You know, if you have it on Steam doesn't mean you have it on PlayStation. Similar concept. So I think what they want to do with uh, this kind of price model positioning is uh, sort of replace the need for a console entirely. Because yeah. I'm like, uh, it's a case of, well, why spend, you know, uh, six, seven thousand rand on a console when I can just pay my subscription of a couple hundred rands a month to Google Stadia, then I'll just buy my, I can just go straight to the game. So basically you're cutting out the middleman, right? And you're going straight to the game and you're going to stream it onto your TV. Um, So, so, so that's one upside to it. But the only thing is that at the moment, I think they did the math on the amount of bandwidth you'd need. It's something like a week's worth of gameplay is like 1.2 terabytes or something of, of, um, you know, of data, I think if you're playing on 4K. So I don't know about yeah, so, fair usage policies in South Africa, but I'm pretty sure that's well over the, the 80 gigs that you normally get on a on an uncapped uh, line, you know, before you start getting thrown. Yeah, look, so, so there are only like certain places on Earth where you can really effectively use Google Stadia yeah. properly. One of them is NASA. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so if you get your ass down there, you'll be able to play some ACLC. Yeah, head head west where the, where the good internet is. Yeah. So, cool. um, so also, I don't think we have stu- we don't have service here or Australia anyway. So um, it would be a while, regardless, in terms of just even even being able to access the service, let alone have a a decent experience. With uh-huh. it. Yeah. Right. Then moving on, we got um, sort of uh, Activision CEO Bobby Kotick has found himself in a bit of hot water. Um, look, we know the guy's pretty shady, and he's sort of like the the emperor palpatine of the gaming world you know if you if you have to like look up bobby kotick on google it's just so many like photoshop pictures of him with like devil horns he's honestly the incarnation of um kind of gaming capitalism and uh and just excess of wealth and greed right uh he's really the poster child for that so um, the Washington Post just po- uh, just submitted an article about him, uh, basically showing that he's been um, manipulating the Activision Blizzard uh, share price and is guilty of insider trading. Oh, wow. um, cutting a long story short, basically what happens is that every now and then, um, Activision Blizzard announced that they're you know a big buyback program where they're going to buy like one billion dollars worth of shares. And so yeah, investors respond yeah, of their own shares. Yeah, so everyone speculates that wow, there must be something going on that they want their own shares back. Like exactly. So investors respond by buying heavily. And as they are buying, Activision Blizzard are selling and taping home profits as the price jumps. Um, this constitutes uh, insider trading and it is uh, like a financial crime. Yeah. Um, I mean but didn't Martha that, Stewart go to jail for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, so doing the, uh, this much purchasing is moving the stock price back and forth. And um, both him and Andrew Wilson, um, the video game uh, CEO at Electronic Arts, sold. Uh, so Andrew Wilson in 2017 sold $1.2 million worth of stocks within 23 days of the announcement um, of a $1.2 billion buyback. Um, at prices that were 12 to 19 percent higher than they were before the announcement, so you can see that this is like uh, this is something that they've been doing for a while, um, yeah. and it's just it's it's not it's not cool. <laughs> it's yeah. it's pretty shady. It's on the on the air of shade, if I might say. Yeah, fair enough. And wow, from EA and Activision, who would have thought? 
Yeah, I know, right? It's fucking mind blown. Yeah. Speaking of EA, um, your next story, I believe we're going to deal with all the Anthem. Yeah, speaking of EA, so uh, so there are two stories that have come out now about Anthem, um, starting on a bit of a low and sort of ending at um, at a happy medium optimist. Uh, we got um, so they lost their the game director uh, Chad Robertson last week, um, which was a bit of a bummer because up until now he's sort of been the face of Anthem, right? He's been making all the tweets, he's been making all the Reddit posts, he's the one saying. You know, look, guys. Here's the roadmap. This is what we're working on, uh, and, and really keeping the yeah. He's the full guy. He's been keeping yeah. the um, the community up to date with what's happening with the game. He decided I'm going to take on that responsibility and do that. And then last week he posted a tweet saying, "Yo, guys, I'm out off to bigger and better things. The grass is always greener on the <laughs> other side. Like just all, <laughs> yeah. all that kind I'm of." I'm going to miss you guys. The learning experience, yada yeah. yada. Mic <laughs> drop. Great. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this kind of left the, um, the community in a weird space because now everyone's like, well, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. And there's and no chat the only voice to of, tell us. Yeah. He's pretty much the only voice of, of kind of like, um, from a consumer point of view of going like, okay, cool. No, there's yeah. still human beings working at EA and like, you know, he's got our best interests and the best interests of the community and, and the game at heart. And then wait, where'd he go now? Yeah, yeah, yeah just so, lost him, like their keys or something. <laughs> so that so that was last week, and uh, the community were quite stumped. Um, and then Jason Schreier, who actually brought some really, really great reporting about uh, Bioware yeah. and Anthem um, earlier on this year when it was first it, yeah. released, exactly brought out a new article uh, this week, actually saying that he has information from devs at Bioware that Anthem is being rebuilt from the ground up. They're they're basically going back to the drawing board at this one. They say we can't actually focus on putting together a roadmap of content when there are too many like uh, gameplay issues, you know, yeah. issues with combat, issues with you know systems. The the load times, for instance, are so long because the game is just really badly optimized, and yeah. so they they really need to work uh, go back to work on their um, on their engine on some of the core mechanics, and that is going to be their goal for the foreseeable future until the game gets into a good state. Then they can start adding more content. So, yeah, at one one stage, I was, I was interested at to at what point do you just go like put out the dumpster fire and start again, or is it a case of going they still believe in the potential of the franchise and perhaps even that the the costs involved on fixing it, even from a PR and marketing yeah. level, are going to be easier and more efficient than trying to build a game from scratch. And then part of me thought that like, well, to be fair, your game is still in alpha, so. Um, probably not that difficult to go back and change. Yeah, look, and 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 one would assume that EA has done their their research around this, right? I mean, like this is a company who where every decision has to be like uh, sample tested and, you know, uh, has to be tested against the the market graph to make sure that you know what I mean? So when it comes to spending money, they know that putting cash into making the product itself better is going to work out better for them over the long run than um, just constantly adding content when they've already like kind of uh, burnt out uh, the goodwill that they've had at the community. And EA are sort of on like a slight upswing now because they just released a Jedi Fallen Order that's just been received really, really well. You know, people are like, wow, this is such an un-EA game. 
It's a yeah. game that like rewards you for playing, for having a good time. It only ser- is there to entertain you. Yeah. You unlock bonuses by playing the game. Yeah, and, and the other thing that was strange for me was they basically told us no review copies. No one's getting review copies, not for this game, sorry. And all of Twitter was just going, ugh, whenever that happens, it's an absolute, like, you know, shiny turd because, you know, it's one of those, like, we don't want people to know about the game. Like, usually if there's no review copies, like, until launch, that's already dodgy. But when there's, like, no review copies at all, then it's like, you know, we don't want you saying things about our game. (laughs) You know, so, so generally most good games even send their review their reviews super early. They go like almost yeah. like two, three weeks before because they like want people to play the entire game. Get it. I mean, Death Stranding was just almost a month before God of War same. Yeah, so that was always kind of red flags for me. But just seeing the reviews and, and from, I don't know, pretty no, reasonable digging critic. It, yeah, yeah. But, but it, like from a Metacritic point of view, it's like the mix between critical acclaim and consumer complaint uh, like uh, acclaim seems to be mm. pretty high like i think it's scoring nuns pretty much across the board wow and yeah i'll definitely pick it up i just it's it's pretty spinny uh, i think it's over a grand yeah. for the for the base uh the base game so yeah i'll wait for those it won't be on black friday this year but you'll probably get your first price cuts early next year yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if EA kind of used this story of um, Bioware going back and rebuilding Anthem um, as a way to create like positive PR spin. It's like, look at what we're doing. We're listening to the community and we're like making sure that this product is better and good. You know, it worked for Hello Games when yeah. they decided to go back and rebuild um, on uh, No Man's Sky. And, and in many ways... Um, you know, Hello Games has sort of used that story as a positive spin to go around and give TED talks about how, like, you got to fix your game, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how that can, yeah, and how you, that can actually work out. Believe, yeah. Exactly. And uh, so if anyone can figure out a way to exploit that for positive PR purposes, I'd say it would be Anthem. I mean, what 100%. am I talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Cool. So moving on, um, my my biggest piece of news slash my favorite piece of news of the week is exile Khan happened this weekend. Yes. Okay. So it is the first exile Khan that grinding your games has put together and they used it, um, as a platform to announce their four point, their 3.9 update and their 4.0 update. 3.9 is the next, uh, challenge league expansion coming out in December. Um, it is, uh, the one expansion to the end of every year, this expansion, is complete overall of the end game. So they're overhauling end game. End game is going to be a lot cooler. Um, 4.0, that announcement is drumroll Path of Exile 2. So they've been working on a sequel for two years now. Um, the sequel is sort of going to take the form of a fully original, brand new seven act campaign. And the kicker about this is that you'll be able to play both games within the same game clients. So they're kind of taking a different approach to sequels. They didn't want to break up the player base and kind of um, uh, separate the community through different clients to different games. They'd rather keep them under one roof. So they've made huge um, advances in their uh, their graphics engine, the engine that they use for their game. 
Um, they've been updating it for a couple of years now. They've been redoing a lot of their a lot of their models, uh, character character models and art. Uh, Chris Wilson was talking about the character model specifically, saying, "Look, like these are the first things that we designed when we first were putting together this game back in like uh, 2010, 2011. So it's like some of the oldest content that they ever made were the character models themselves. Right. So it's it's about time that they've you know gone back to the drawing board at this stuff. So it's a fresh story. Um, you're going to get all the same characters, um, a whole bunch of new stuff." They've overhauled their skill system. They're making huge changes to the skill tree. Um, and they're definitely thinking about how to make it more approachable for new players. You know, when you when you start a new game, you click P like the game tells you to, to open up the skill tree and you just get smacked with this huge, huge screen that turns a lot of players off. They want yeah. to have a way to keep that because that's, you know, a big part of what makes Path of Exile Path of Exile, but also make it like access- accessible to, to players that... Maybe they don't turn away at that point. The biggest kicker is that you'll be playing both of these games in the same client, which means that, like, let's say you're playing Path of Exile 1, I'm playing Path of Exile 2, we're playing separate games, but we can still party up and uh, do content together at the same time. We can chat amongst each other, we can trade between each other. When a new challenge league gets launched, that challenge league will be rolled out over both games. So, like, let's say this uh, 3.9 for instance, uh, would be launched as a challenge league. You'd be able to play it in Path of Exile 1. I'd be able to play it in Path of Exile 2. And we can party up and do content together. And it's a good time. On top of that, they also announced a Mac OS version that they'll be launching. And, drumroll, Path of Exile Mobile. Which is uh, was quite a funny story because when they, they announced Path of Exile Mobile... Um, Grindy Game CEO Chris Wilson took to the stage and he was like, okay, so about a year ago it became really difficult to announce Path of Exile Mobile. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the crowd just starts, uh, starts laughing and he's like, but then we realized if we announced a sequel first, <laughs> maybe yeah. things will go differently. Um, just taking a bit, of a, t- bit of a dig at, uh, at, at, at Blizzard, Blizzard for that. Yeah. I think just a bit of context for those of you who don't remember, last year at BlizzCon, everyone was expecting Diablo 4, basically the announcement that happened this year. But instead, they announced a mobile game, and it was basically crickets and yeah. <laughs> kind of questions questions about like, sorry, um, is this an April like a late April Fool's joke or yeah? So people yeah. weren't happy, and so the tongue in cheek thing here was to go, okay, we'll announce Path of Exile two first, and then tell you about our mobile game, and then also <laughs> I believe on the lower third. So when they give the person's like name and title, they've like CEO, and then like in brackets like fall guy. So it's yeah. like, if, you, if you hate this news, it's his fault. He's the fall guy. Like, yeah, they had this presenter giving it. So like, okay, well, cool, it's his fault. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, Chris Wilson said, look, uh, Path of Exile Mobile is an experimental project. It's something that we've been working on for a while. It is on the on the studio floor for people to play. Um, try it out. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think because um, this is something that we want to develop with the community. So at, at all stages here, he was like, um, the cool thing about grinding your games is they really take um, feedback from the community on Reddit into account. And a lot of the feedback gets implemented into the game. It, get, it does get considered. It gets brought up in their developer meetings. It gets put on the table. It gets put on the list. Uh, it might be a change they don't get to this year. It might only be something they get to next year. But it is something that they do consider, which which I think is a great... Um, I don't know. I just think that one of the most um, uh, community-oriented gaming companies like operating in the world today... Uh, it's just it's just really cool how they've managed to push this product forward 
um, and keep this this huge play base that's only just growing. They they recently launched um, new regions in Korea now, so there's all these Korean players on the server that just weren't there before. Yeah. So so that's pretty cool. Okay, that's the end of my um, that's the end of my gushing over uh, ExileCon. Uh, we can talk <laughs> a bit of um, <laughs> bit of entertainment news if you're keen. Um, I just caught up with uh, the Mandalorian last night. I watched the first two episodes. Um, which is the first uh, full live-action Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus, um, Produced uh, by Kathleen Kennedy and Jon Favreau, created by Jon Favreau. So for those of you who don't know Jon Favreau, he plays the role of Happy in the um, Iron Man sort of Marvel MCU. Uh, you know, Iron Man's friend, Happy. Yeah, he's he also a director, not- he's a writer. He's directed Iron Man 1 and 2, a few others. And he's a, kind of like a, a big name up now in Disney. He does a lot of work for them. And okay, cool. I think he's a great writer. Uh, he's also a fantastic actor, great director too. And this show really, um, it's got that feel, man. It feels fresh. It feels like a unique Star Wars story. It, it, you know, the thing about Star Wars, the way that you do Star Wars um, sci-fi, right? It's sci-fi Western, but it still has to have that retro feel to it. So it feels yeah. fresh and new, but it also feels retro in like, the sounds in some of the the particle effects that are used okay. um, in the dialogue, so it really does kind of hit that nostalgia button, but doesn't lean on it, doesn't rely on it, doesn't you know force feed you uh, kind of Easter eggs from the Star Wars universe. It just decides like this is the kind of show that we want to be, and they stay in the pocket, they stay in their lane, and it's about the bounty hunter who they obviously probably can't call. Boba Fett because they yeah. end up having to pay George Lucas a bunch of more money. It's the Mandalorian. They also go back into sort of the law of this bounty hunter that it's actually a whole tribe and they, you know, they've been doing this for thousands of years yeah. and their rules and yeah, it, it adds like um, a whole bunch of law and mythos around this character that wasn't there before. And an interesting story. So when Kathleen Kennedy and Disney sort of uh, first announced their roadmap for all these Star Wars uh, stories that they were going to release, right? There was going to be a Han Solo movie, there's going to be a Boba Fett movie, there's going to be a Yoda movie. And um, after kind of The Last Jedi sort of um, didn't do really well and uh, Solo, a Star Wars story tanked, they cancelled all of that. They cancelled all of those plans for all of those movies and it looks like John Favreau took a few pieces of what was left on kind of the the brainstorming floor and and threw some of those ideas into what we have now in the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, there's something I, I'm not going to uh, spoil anything for you guys, but there's a character that he brings in, which I think they were looking at for one of these Star Wars stories, and yeah, um, yeah so. I had a lot of fun. It's going to be eight episodes long. I'm a bit concerned about the runtime being around 30 minutes per episode. So it it does leave you feeling like I want more. Um, yeah. And then you have to wait for next week for them to release the next episode. So Disney Plus has got a seven-day free trial. So what I reckon people should do is um, kind of just wait until it's all out. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get your seven-day free trial, binge that yeah. shit. Yeah, binge that shit and get it last, man. Um, yeah, because yeah. we're not getting Disney Plus for another year. Yeah. But it's interesting yeah. that you can access the free trial, though. Yeah. Is that, so, is that um, confirmed that uh, South Africans can? Or do you need a VPN? Uh, you, you, look, I, 
I probably can't say that over a podcast. I, I'm yeah. not going to like encourage people to go and pirate anything or get VPNs, but yeah, protect your network, etc. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go do your own shit, that's on that's on you, man. Yeah, that's uh, how one would do it if one were the dirty, yeah. <laughs> Olaf type of people that don't watch this podcast. You're not us. Yeah, of course not. not. Us. Speaking of dirty um, okay. low lives, yes. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> dirty low lives. Um, there's a new Sonic trailer that's out, and it looks pretty cool. Sonic actually looks like Sonic now. Yeah, which is weird. It's like Sonicy. You 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 think there'd be like a bigger a bigger hype about it, but really, what happened was they came out with this previous trailer, and they had this sort of botchling. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was it was weird. It was more human than Hedgehog. Not that Sonic actually looks much like a hedgehog, but yeah, this yeah. Just, it was bad. And we did speak about it at length. But so that so they had this um, this freak of nature, and and it created this huge uh, uproar about Sonic, about redesign, blah blah blah. They you know pushed back the release dates. They went back to the drawing board of the character, and now they brought up a new trailer. And you'd think that people would be like, woohoo, yeah, Sonic. But really, what's happened is you've reached the median. You, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you went from minus three like up to zero. So you, you gave us what we expected <laughs> at the yeah, first 100%. place. So and now that's why now, I worry about anthem. That's why I worry about the anthem fix. Yeah. Is that will it be like um, No Man's Sky where people are like, oh my word, amazing! This game is just so much better than it was, and the people I know who play it love the game now. Or will they go, meh, this is what we were supposed to get except a year before. So yeah, at full price. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Part of me ooh, always cool. worries with Game the Sonic playable. thing of going is who, when they bring out a video game, TV show, or movie, you'd like to think that there's just amazing demand that people are like, we cannot exist without this happening. And I quote things like um, the rumors of God of War, a movie, the fact that a Witcher series has come. Um, the fact that when the Tomb Raider movies were coming out, there was just so much demand that people were like, if you don't do it, someone else will because the fans want this. Whether they successfully do it or not is another thing. Who has been like screaming from the top of their Reddit voices about how, the need for a Sonic movie? They can barely sell Sonic games these days. So like, I don't know why the need to suddenly even make this. It's like, who, who's asking for it? You know what I mean? Oh, man, it's so weird, you know, and this reminds me of um, uh, sort of a documentary on Netflix that I watched a bit of last night called The Toys That Made Us, right? Mm. Um, which goes into, and uh, the first episode is talking about the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I watched how, it as well last and, week. It's and so how good. they came about, right? So it's it's weird because when we were kids, you know, I was a kid watching the show. I was like, this show was made for me. I dig it so much. And all these properties, you know, that we think so fondly of in nostalgia, like He-Man, yeah. you know, um, even Sonic, for instance, were mostly shows that were designed in order to justify to a yeah. toy sales, to sell products. Yeah. So really, our nostalgia is just us being suckers for the fucking capitalist machine. Oh, because, because, you know, God knows I had those fucking toys, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had the toys. Yeah, you know, I even bought my, a fucking foot soldier. All, Who does that? Exactly. My friends all had like Transformers, right? Like I had yeah. a Transformer. Like that was another show that was designed to sell us toys. And it's interesting to look at the media cycle then and how it was kind of so kind of closely knit with um, uh, sort of consumer culture. Yeah. And, and looking at where it is now and you think, 
you know, what was the motivations behind putting together like a Sonic movie, for instance, because y'all ain't buying toys, y'all ain't buying yeah. the games, you know, yeah. um, is this just a character that someone has been sitting on the license of for ages trying to get it through yeah. and like find a producer? Expiring <laughs> year, and so we have to, we don't produce it next yeah. year, the license expires and our chance to make a Sonic movie disappears. Always is um, Sega just going, hey, listen, we need to try and revitalize the franchise. And, you know, a TV show worked. I mean, the, the TV show lasted a long time. Can we it do did. something similar with a movie? Who knows? Yeah, and I think, you know, you have um, Sony on the one side who are putting serious stock into um, uh, kind of expanding their own video game production studio, right? Yeah. They're going to be starting with an Uncharted movie. I wonder if in response to that, you have uh, Sega who's saying, you know, this uh, could potentially be a moneymaker. This could be another place where we can, you know, utilize our IPs to expand our portfolio into movies. And let's start with Sonic because he's the most kind of iconic character from our lineup. Yeah, maybe. Or it's one of those like how to introduce a new generation of, of fans, you know, hit that sweet spot between, um, you know, the nostalgia. Put it this way, in that show you were talking about, the toys that made us, they talk about how every time they've relaunched the Turtles, you've got the parents of old and the kids of new, like, basically watching it together. And then, mommy, mommy, daddy, buy me yeah. that. And you're like, I'm buying that for me. I'll buy you a second one for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I wonder, yeah. you know, who the Sonic movie is actually for. Because um, yeah. it looks like it's for kids, but kids don't know who Sonic is. No, fair enough. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting play. I, I don't have high hopes for it in terms of, um, for one, uh, it's box office success, but also critical appeal. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not a movie maker, so let's let's see what they do with the guy. I'm 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 glad he's looking more like Sonic and less like um, something like that would be a mix between Jeff Goldblum and instead of a fly, some sort of blue hedgehog stepped into the teleporter with him. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't understand fly references, check the movie out. <laughs> um, cool. And then uh, let's uh, jump into how we started things really. Is that um, talking about the end of the year and what to buy? Cause pretty much all the games out. I think the last biggest yeah. one was Pokemon came out on Friday. Uh, so sword and shield is out. Um, that's and, that's, and I think that, that's the that's the only reason why I want a switch or even no, a switch. Lying. I just, Jeez, dude, the only I, reason. I want... The only okay, reason. Fucking years it's... ago, dude. Oh, geez. No, look, it's it looks good. I've got my code. I haven't downloaded it yet. I've been busy with other stuff. Um, but it's it's one of those things where geez, they are, they are putting serious um kind of PR behind it. Like they yeah. they they do back it as like a. A console, a console seller. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Pokemon's always sort of been a console seller for yeah. um, for Nintendo, and I've been really looking forward to seeing like a good Pokemon game come to the Switch before I kind of made my my mind up about buying one. Yeah. So I think um, you know if I if I talk kind of candidly about the. The, the Black Friday thing, obviously, it's, it's become a huge thing in South Africa. I believe I read some sort of um, analysis that, like, outside of America, South Africa has been, like, the biggest adopter of Black Friday, just in terms of the amount of specials, the amount of, uh, like, social media 
kind of engagement yeah. on the hashtags, that sort of stuff, which is incredible for a country as small as us. I mean, only 60 million people of which the vast majority are not on social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's hectic. We obviously can't get the same specials that you're getting in an America or, or Europe or Japan because um, it's a tertiary market. So when we are getting the manufacturers and the suppliers are giving us like a distribution budget half the time or yeah. a marketing budget to knock down prices. It's not, you know what I mean? It, the stuff's not made here. And so it's not the factories yeah. like basically going, there will be a batch that is like Black Friday batch. It will be cheaper sort of stuff. So um, it's not that we don't get big specials, but they tend to be still within the the realm of not having to stab someone to get. So yeah. you know, if I take some of the gaming specials that have been announced, um, Xbox and PlayStation have announced theirs. You're going to get an Xbox One S, uh, one terabyte for three five double nine. Um, that's kind of like wow. the. And if you, you can get it with a controller for four six double nine, so an extra one one, you could probably find a controller by itself cheaper, to be honest. Um, and you can get a one X for six triple nine, so seven grand. I think that's like a seven hundred grand or nine hundred grand saving. So um, don't know that it's an amazing special um, from an X point of view, but that's because it's stuff still so new. But for an S one terabyte, that's not a bad price. Three five double nine. Obviously, that's just one controller, no games as well. So you're probably going to get that's coming from Xbox themselves. You're probably going to get some of the local retailers bundling on like a game as well, and probably get around price of like four grand. But we'll wait to see. That hasn't been announced from a PlayStation point of view. They haven't announced the Rand pricing yet, but in dollars, you're going to get a PS4 bundle at one double nine, it's hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, that'll be a one terabyte PS4 with three um, games. Those games are all pretty good. It's Last of Us Remastered, God of War, and Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. All geez, some of my favorite games of this generation. Obviously, Last of Us was last yeah. generation, but but really, really all really good games. You can get the Pro for $299. Um, you're going to get a PSVR multi-game bundle for $199. We'll give you, obviously, the headset, the camera, and then vouchers to be able to download five PSVR titles, which are oh, Astrobot, nice. Astrobot Rescue Mission, Skyrim, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, uh, Everybody's Golf VR, and PlayStation VR Worlds. It'll be interesting to know whether the Resident Evil 7 will be the base game, or is it a VR-only one? Because I remember oh. you being able to switch mid-game between VR and not. Um, so it will probably be just a code for the regular game, and you can decide whether to play it VR or not. And then some of the big titles, uh, Spider-Man, Game of the Year Edition, Medieval, Concrete Genie, and MLB The Show will all be, 19, uh, will be $19. And this okay. is probably the one I'll pick up is that you're getting 25% off a PlayStation Plus yearly subscription. Okay, so, nice. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good one for me to pick up too. Yeah, because I mean, look, you're going to probably be buying it anyway. The quality of the games you're getting on PSN Plus at the moment has been really legit recently. Um, mm, not to mm. mention, obviously, certain functionality on certain games that don't let you play certain game modes or play against other players without plus. Um, most of them do, but there are a couple that have kind of uh, certain things that are exclusive to, um, to, to and, plus users. And the PSN Plus free games for November are Neo and Outlast 2. Yeah, Neo yeah. is great. Yeah, so if you're a so, Souls 
if you're a Soulsborn fan type gamer, um, you know, they kind of like that uh, difficulty punishing um, when you make mistakes sort of game, but like very much deep lore and combat mechanics. Uh, Neo is, is really, really good. Um, they seem to be following this, th- this trend of s- as soon as or soon after a sequel is announced, um, they will put the base or the vanilla game uh, for free. So I remember nice. them doing it with Last of Us. Was it last month or the month before? They, oh, yeah, it was two months ago. Yeah, Last of Us 2 obviously coming out was Feb and now May. Gave Last of Us 1 uh, for free and now similar with with Neo, Neo 2, I think is February next year. And so you oh, can wow. get the base game for free now. You know, get those taste buds wet for the, um, you know, for the, the stuff that's coming. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I want to know, um, you know, let's say for people out there who don't have a uh, PS4 yet, yeah. you know, with, with PS5 coming out, let's say we're looking at like um, maybe like a late 2020 release. Do you think it's worth jumping onto a PS4 console kind of now at this kind of like late stage of its sort of life cycle? So, yeah, there's no short answer. I won't say yes or no. I think some of the context would be yes, if you're the kind of, look, when the PS5 launches, speculation, you're going to be looking at an eight, nine grand console. If if you're not the type to spend that much on a console, then you're not going to buy the PS5 at launch anyway. So then those, the, those arguments about, oh, the PS5 is going to come out and you're going to want to get that. If you're not willing to drop that kind of price, and that'll be base. There'll be no game. There'll be no extra controller. There'll be the base console will cost that because they know like the hype factor. And let's be honest, the, I suppose, uh, the ego of having cons, you know, like latest console on launch that they sell, they sell units like that. You know, the Maybe. fact that like it's a, it's, it's your iPhone X buyers it's the ones going you have to have it on the day you know that it launches standing outside the store you know those sort of people um if you're not one of those don't get sucked into that argument right now it's a great price for the ps4 um i'm seeing a game are doing ps4 with uh it is detroit become human god of war last of us and a 90 day ps plus voucher uh, wow. With the 500 gigabyte PlayStation for five double uh, triple nine, so that's, that's a decent price. Yeah, six grand. And so that's the thing. If like if you haven't got a PlayStation, you always wanted. Now's the time for Black Friday to pick one up. You're not going to get it cheaper um, until supposedly next year's Black Friday because that'll be just before the launch, and so they'll really be wanting to flog PS4s. Uh, in fairness to Sony, they always support their older consoles for a really extended amount of time. Um, yeah. I look at the PS2, geez, that that they were supporting almost just till the PS4 launched, uh, you yeah. know, almost 10 or so years later. Um, they have confirmed backwards comp- compatibility on the PS5, meaning that the games you pick up now on PS4, you can still play on PS5 if that's a big deal for you. Um, I think with the PS5 coming out, you'll also see a huge backlog of people selling their secondhand games either online or at stores yeah. like BT Games. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, I picked up my PS3 quite late into the console's life cycle, and it was the best to go on a Gumtree or go into BT Games and pick up legit titles for like 50 bucks. Because yeah, by great, then, yeah. they were two, three years old. But for me, I'm a word, like PlayStation Essentials, all this stuff, like had to play. So I picked yeah. up like God of War 3 and God of War 2 and all that sort of stuff, just for like 50 bucks, 100 Rand max. And it was amazing to be able to play all that stuff, you know, um, 
so yeah, I think uh, now's a really good time to buy if you if costs were were the thing. Um, you will get cheap in a year's time, but then obviously it's about how much game or console lifespan you're going to have. Um, I will say that I would recommend a PS over an Xbox at the moment. Um, the prices are fairly similar. Um, they're about a 500 Rand difference. And I think what the PlayStation is brings, just as a console, in terms of the amount of other South Africans who are playing, um, I don't know the numbers. I was hearing the in the region of like six or seven to one in terms of how many PlayStation players oh. there are versus Xbox. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people buy the console their friends are playing and fair enough if your friends all have xboxes do that it's it is definitely more fun to play with your friends but um that being said all my friends are on playstation <laughs> yeah i think a big draw for me look i'm a huge proponent of the secondhand game market, and what i found was that all you need to do is like pop down to your nearest like cash converters or bt games and you can find like ace titles for 150 to 300 rand max yeah you know stuff that was you know around 850 950 at launch you know a couple of weeks or months later you'll be finding it for like a fraction of the price uh, 100%. and that's only going to get cheaper when the playstation 5 comes out i think and they start yeah. to become sort of uh, outdated but i think they might still hold quite a bit of their value uh, with this backwards compatibility uh um, element sort of uh, yeah. kind of built in there so I'm, I'm just happy that my catalog i'll still be able to play it on the on that new system but you know that you're going to buy the witcher 3 remaster for playstation 5 <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so so i think uh, the things to watch out for obviously um look on the playstation network store they usually have some really good sales on digital steam will likely have some really crazy specials they haven't been announced yet as far as i know um no, and then and then it looks like um, you might get some specials on like a take a lot or something, probably not on consoles because they're not really given the margin to do so, but potentially on some of their games, some of their older titles, you might get, you know, 200, 300 rand off. Um, I don't think you're going to see too many crazy specials on, on tech. Um, so from gaming tech, but uh, from games, especially digitally, uh, you often see some really, really sweet deals. My one recommendation, guys, Go out and wish list the stuff you want because otherwise you can spend an entire day just like checking out specials over and over and over and over. Yeah, if, you wish, if you wish list that stuff, the minute it's on special, most places send you an email notification and you, you, you know, heck, what a lot of people have done is they even check it into their cart. So if it comes in, yeah. you, kick out, you kick out the stuff that's not on special and you just buy the stuff and you don't have to worry about it. The inevitable shutdown of Take a Lot and Raru and everything's website when everyone tries to shop at the same time. But yeah, I think so, we've got another week before Black Friday, so we'll check out and announce any more specials next week before it all happens. It's I think the 29th of November is Black mm -hmm. Friday. Um, obviously, got 10 days as of today when we're recording. I'm not sure when you'll listen to this, being the 19th today. But uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to up to date with all the the specials that are out there. So, Gareth, uh, closing remarks, what yeah. do you have on your wish list for Black of the Friday? To be honest, I'm, I'm looking for, it's not really gaming-wise, I'm looking for a smartwatch. So, I've got a couple of ones I've, I kind of tagged in my wish list. Hopefully, they'll be on special. Otherwise, I would love for the new Star Wars game to be on there. It will not be based on its success. <laughs> if it was an absolute flop, it might have been. Um, but otherwise, I'm... I'm, I'm not taking my own advice here. 
uh, in terms of wishlisting stuff. But I'll give us uh, a, a little search for um, gaming merchandise type stuff. So I'm always a fan if I can find a couple of like Funko Pop um, figurines or some T-shirts or that sort of stuff because oh. um, they often just like bundle a whole bunch, like five T-shirts together for 500 bucks sort of thing. Yeah, Yourself? I'm... I'm- I'm really hoping to see if I can jump onto like a Nintendo Switch Lite and see if I can yeah. find a reasonably priced one uh, with a game sort of bundle. And that will be my splurge on myself for December. Cool. Because money, December, everyone has it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> cool, guys. If you've got uh, any questions or stuff you want to chat about, just uh, give us a, um, a tweet. We now have our own uh, Twitter, which is... Um, Guru at Guru underscore podcast. Um, that's the automated name they gave us when we opened up Gaming Guru Podcast, the Twitter. So at uh, Guru underscore podcast. Otherwise, you can uh, message us uh, privately. I'm at the Gareth Woods. Tim is at Tim and Fish. This has been another episode of the Gaming Guru Podcast. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Adios. The Gaming Guru Podcast. Easy the best gaming podcast in the world. Guru Baby.